many of us have set New Year resolutions for this year? And I mean, it is only the 2nd of January. I see a few hands, but how many of us would be so bold as to admit that we have already failed to keep those resolutions? Yeah, there's a few Pastor George hand in front. Okay. I don't know what type of person you are and whether you set New Year's resolutions or perhaps you prefer to reflect on the year that has gone by and set new goals for the year ahead. But whichever type of person you are, New Year's goals and resolutions are common practice and they range from anything from dieting to dating. Often those two are linked. We diet until we date and then when we date, we forget about our diet. (laughs) So my resolution for the year is to not allow you to see that I'm getting married by a stomach. (laughs) There really is a wide range of goals and resolutions that any of us can have, and it'll change from person to person, but a little bit of research, and some are quite common. Dean actually mentioned some of them. Doing more exercise or improving your fitness was actually top of the list. Anyone in the room? Dean, I know, and myself, we're going to run the comrades together. Anybody else? Don't hold me to that, by the way. But... There were other things, you know, second on the list was sort of losing weight, which is probably linked to the first one on the list and improving your diet, which was number four. Saving more money was number three. And then there were things like pursuing a career ambition or spending more time with family, not looking at social media so much or taking up a hobby. Oh, Pastor George, you're clapping for not looking at social media. Okay, I don't know if that's uh, for yourself or for the rest of the church. Volunteering or doing some charity work was also on the list. That that sounds great. Great segue for activation, but I'll leave that for Pastor George in a few weeks. For me personally, I've set some goals and made some resolutions for the year ahead. Uh, I've got some spiritual goals, for lack of a better term, to pursue my relationship with the Lord through prayer and His Word and studying of Scripture. I've got some work goals for my new role here and for the church I've got some goals for my rugby and my refereeing for the upcoming rugby season. I've got some personal goals. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but I'm getting married soon. And um, okay, so so I'm seeking to structure my life to prioritize my wife-to-be and our relationship. And these are all great. It is good to set goals and make resolutions that we will do something or we won't do something. But I jokingly began by asking how many of us would be so bold as to admit that we've already broken our resolutions. And this does seem to be quite common. We may begin full of commitment and courage and confidence, full of energy and hope. But soon that fades and the relentless busyness of life overwhelms us. And we find ourselves back where we began or perhaps even worse off. This was true for me last year, uh, which is probably why it's such a big topic this year. I started off with the very best of intentions, and I started well. The first six weeks of last year were probably the most productive six weeks of my life. But man, did I bite off more than I could chew. And the the warning signs were there, and Vincent pulled me aside for a a word, which I hate to admit that he's had to do more often than I would like. Um, But yeah, George as well, okay, Vincent has that tendency. Um, But I sort of hard-headedly just kept moving forward until I hit the wall, and then I was completely overwhelmed. And God graciously restored me and uh, with the love of so many around me. But it just felt so defeating. How did I land up at the place that I had resolved to avoid? And perhaps you've, in the pursuit of a goal, you've also hit a wall and wondered, how did I get here? And maybe you're, one, you're entering 2022 wondering whether it's actually worth it. 
wondering, how will I actually achieve what I have set out to achieve? Perhaps you've resolved not to even get started on that dream for the year or for your life. Maybe you haven't even written it down because you've resolved that it's the hope that kills us. It's like being a South African cricket fan. It's the hope that, that, that kills us. So, so it, it, it hurts less to, to play it safe and avoid the risk. We may look into the dim distance of the future of our lives and feel overwhelmed by the size and the weight of the dream that we're carrying in our hearts and all the potential obstacles along the way. And so we resolve that we'd rather play it safe and not dream at all. But today, I want to encourage you to dream those big dreams and trust God for them. I want you to invite Jesus to bury and redefine your past so that your past failures don't stop you from living out your future. And I want Scripture to equip you with tools for today to put into motion the miracle in the mundane. Thomas Carlyle said, Our grand business undoubtedly is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. Not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. That's not to say we shouldn't have vision for the future, It's to say that our vision for the future should inform what we do today so that today's goal become tomorrow's starting point. In order to do this, we need to let go of our past, surrender our future, and live in our present. If yesterday is history and tomorrow is mystery, then all we have is today. And today is the day that the Lord has made, and today is the day of salvation. We're going to battle to live today to the full if we're carrying the baggage of yesterday and the load of tomorrow. You know, for the load of tomorrow and the weight of yesterday carried today makes even the strongest falter. We don't want to be paralyzed by things we cannot change, which was our our past, nor crippled by things we cannot control, which is the future. If we can own today, tomorrow will take care of itself. Jesus said as much. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus was saying, own the day, today. So I'm a massive sports fan. And whilst I ref rugby and I love the game and the Springboks, my first sporting love was actually cricket, specifically test cricket. And I know what I'm about to say may disappoint some of you, but we will be playing test cricket in heaven. You know those, those five-day tests where everyone wears white and the game still sometimes manages to end in a draw? You know, those, those, those matches. And you know, what the, you know what Scripture says about those five-day tests? A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. But one thing you learn as a kid growing up playing cricket is that you play each ball on its merit. And you build an innings, one ball at a time. If you play enough balls in a row, you can build a big innings and be very fruitful, scoring lots of runs. If we own enough days in a row, we can build a big innings, be very fruitful, and accomplish almost anything. Almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. But we need to start by owning today. If you can just do it for a day, you can do it for a lifetime. So today I want to encourage us to do it for a day. The hardest run to score in cricket, the hardest part of building an innings, is getting off the mark, scoring the first run. 
The hardest part of building the innings of your life is getting off the mark. So do it for a day. I believe living each day on its merit, like a cricketer plays each ball on its merit, will help us to lead lives where we are present, living at a healthy and sustainable place, pace without losing ground, without losing influence or impact. Our problem currently is that we're living in a world of hurry, rushing from something we don't really want to be doing to get somewhere we don't really want to be. Dave Ramsey says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And I'll say, we do things we don't need to do with time we don't have to spare to impress people who don't really care. And I fear that a lot of adults and more worryingly teenagers and children are just surviving lives they'd rather escape. And, and there's a pandemic of burnout and anxiety and depression. And I believe a major contributing factor to that is an, is an unsustainable pace of life. These are not signs of weakness. They're a sign of a warped way of living. And it is not how God intended us to live. Do you remember the first hard lockdown? I, I realized that we want to forget about COVID. And I realized that uh, that hard lockdown was tough for so many and in so many different ways and some more than others. But one thing I recall fondly was how we were forced to slow down our pace. I remember sitting on the front stoop overlooking the river, playing cards with my mom and drinking coffee with my dad as we watched the birds fly overhead. And we weren't urgently rushing from one seemingly important emergency to the next. So sure, we will all face moments and seasons of anxiety and depression. Scripture says as much, and it was true for many men and women of faith. And even Jesus said, in this world, you will face trouble. However, Scripture gives us tools to equip us to set ourselves up to stress less and achieve more, to live in a way today to help us thrive tomorrow, to quote Karin to help us lead lives where we are present living at a healthy and sustainable pace without losing ground, without losing influence and impact. Jesus didn't leave us with, in this world you will have trouble. He said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I don't want us to get to the end of 2022 with unmet goals and broken resolutions because we were overwhelmed, overworked, and overcommitted. We're all probably guilty of cluttering our calendars and being a little bit too busy for our own good. We tell ourselves it's just a busy season, but if the season doesn't have an end, it's not a season, it's our life. How many of us, when somebody asks, how are you, respond with, geez, busy, eh? I mean, the, the, the real Christians among us would say, blessed and highly favored of the Lord. But we, we all at some stage would have either answered or heard someone answer, geez, I'm busy, eh? Hey? And I'm not certain if it's a cry for help, like, oh, I'm, I'm busy, please help me, I'm, I'm overwhelmed or whether we're actually sort of proud of it. We're wearing it as a sort of badge of honor. Look at me and how busy I am and how important I am. But C.S. Lewis, who's one of my favorite authors, he said, and he said this, not me. He said, I am busy because I am lazy. I have abdicated the responsibility of deciding what I will do to others instead of resolutely deciding for myself. He was not saying, don't work hard. He was saying, work smart. Work on what matters and what your work will begin to matter. I think he would have supported me in encouraging you to go into 2022 owning it. Owning the year by owning each day. Living in the day and doing what is clearly at hand rather than trying to see what lies dimly at a distance. 
We, we seem to neither allow margin in our lives nor uh, actually schedule our priorities. If we're honest with ourselves, how many of us have actually scheduled into our lives and into our calendars the action steps we need to take in order to achieve our goals and resolutions? Dean, do you have enough margin in your life to actually train for a comrades marathon? If we don't take control of our schedule with our priorities, somebody else will take control of our schedule with their priorities. And have you noticed that when we're busy, when we're overwhelmed, overworked, and overcommitted, without clear direction and a, and a plan, we actually become more unproductive. We say we only have an hour and we can't really do anything in an hour, so we endlessly scroll social media, media or binge watch Netflix to search for inspiration. But when we're healthy, with clear direction and a plan, when we're owning our day, an hour is lots of time to make effective progress. And I want us to be equipped to make every hour count in 2022. The way Jesus lived gives us a few examples of how he set himself up for the win, to own each day. And he gives us plenty of tools to equip us in living lives of influence and impact, but at a sustainable and healthy place. Jesus led the most influential and impactful life in history, yet he was never hurried, never in a rush, never too busy. Instead, he led a life at a healthy and sustainable pace while maintaining influence and impact. How often have we experienced a moment in life, be it the birth of a child or a wedding or even a funeral, and said something along the lines of, oh, we should be more present in the moment and spend time with the ones that we love, or I wish this moment would last a lifetime. Because time is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. Jesus seemed to know this and live like this. How many of us, when reflecting on the last year, have regrets that we didn't show up more? We didn't spend more time with people we loved or do something more meaningful? Jesus was able to make the most of every minute and make the most of every moment. So scripture tells us in Psalm 90 verse 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Living wisely is developed by learning the finite and temporal nature of our lives on earth in light of eternity and God's great plan of the restoration, reconciliation, and renewal of all things in Jesus. If we learn to number our days, we'll learn to make the most of each one, living as though each one is our last, but learning as though we will live forever. And the way we live today will influence the way we live tomorrow. This can either be harnessed positively or work against you. If you put off something for tomorrow, it will be harder to begin than if you had begun today. But if you start today, tomorrow will be easier. So it all starts with today. So as we go into 2022, let's look at some tools Scripture gives us to help us own the year by owning each day to, so that we can live lives of purpose with influence and impact, but at a sustainable and healthy pace. Firstly, <clears throat> we need to redefine the pain of the past. All of us have a history some of it we can boast about and point to the hand of God and the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Other parts we look back upon with heartache and pain and wonder where God was in the midst of our darkest days. And still other parts are filmed with, filled with shame and with no one but ourselves to blame. And we feel like we are totally disqualified from any future inheritance. This weight of the past has the potential to bog us down and to prevent us from living out our future, to prevent us from living forward and fulfilling the purpose for which God has created us. 
But God is in the business of redefining history to align with his story. Abram and Sarah were nomadic travelers with no inheritance for they were unable to have children of their own. And yet God redefined their story, giving them new names. Abraham became the father of our faith and Sarah's inheritance is more numerous than the sand on the seashore. Abraham and Sarah's grandson had his story changed from Jacob the deceiver to Israel, who would become a great nation, the nation of the Lord Jesus himself. And Saul, who persecuted the early followers of Jesus, had the very first Damascus Road experience, with Christ himself changing Saul's name to Paul, from persecutor of the faith to the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. Simon would deny Jesus three times, but in the Lord's mercy, he would ask Simon three more times, do you love me? To which Simon would respond, yes. And Jesus changed his name to Peter, the rock on which he would build his church. And perhaps you're thinking, that's great for them. But my story is different. Mike, if only you had walked a day in my shoes, you would know just how far-fetched that is. And I appreciate that I have not walked in your shoes and I cannot and do not understand. But we have one who is able to empathize with us, a great high priest who has been tempted in every way yet did not sin, Jesus Christ. And he invites us to the following invitation. He says, so don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. So what old name are you operating under? God changes your name and changes your story. He redefines who it is you think you are, for he sees his son within you. You have things to do and places to go. This life with Christ is not a timid grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. If we're going to make the most of the new year and each day of the year, we need to give our past and the weight of the baggage we're carrying a decent burial and get on with living our new life. God's spirit beckons. Secondly, in order to make the most of each day so that we can live lives of purpose, influence, and impact, we need to own the miracle in the mundane. Life is not a highlight reel of Instagram. It's a lot of mundane monotony done over and over again. And the supernatural part of life is comprised of two parts. There's the super and the natural. And if we want God to do the super, we need to be prepared to do the natural. We have to play our part in our partnership with heaven. Sometimes the biggest obstacle to our destiny is just getting started and then doing it consistently over and over again, day in, and day out. Perhaps the question you need to answer today, the resolution you need to make with yourself and with God, is to do that one thing. You'll know what it is. That one thing that if you do, would liberate you to live freely and fully present at home and at work. The old saying of 
don't put off for tomorrow what can be done today, rings true. The wisdom literature of Scripture in the Proverbs speaks quite hardly against the, or harshly against the sluggard who folds his arm and abdicates the responsibility for doing what needs to be done. To clarify, this has nothing to do with our salvation. Jesus did all the work on that, which is why I started with him redefining our history. But it's from this position of rest and renewal that we play a part in the present. And scripture has lots to say about living in the present. It says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today, if you hear the Lord's voice, do not harden your hearts. The Lord's mercies on you each day. And Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. There's a real emphasis of being present and living fully today. Even in the mundane monotony of today, the Lord is working a miracle. Most of Jesus' miracles happened in the ordinary everyday mundanity of life. Jesus was aware of the miracle in the mundane. I think we're often waiting for something big in order to show off how we want to live. But scripture makes it very clear that God is interested in how we do the little things when no one is watching. Jesus said, when you pray or fast or give to the needy, do not do it to be seen by others. Instead, do it before your father who sees what is done in the unseen. And Dean mentioned the scripture earlier when Jesus says in Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. Scripture goes on to say, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Because how we do anything is how we'll do everything. If we do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. So let's find the miracle in the mundane. And finally, in order to make the most of each day, we need to embrace faith for the future. We should dream big dreams and trust God for an unbelievable inheritance. We ought not to play things safe all the time because playing things safe is risky. I'm personally quite conservative. I'm a chartered accountant by training and I tend to be quite risk averse and err on the side of caution. And I cite the prudence of wisdom from the scriptures to back up my uh, sort of cautious, cautious approach. But there seems to be a tension between faith and prudence. We should not abandon the prudence of wisdom and just jump recklessly into things because Jesus said a builder weighs the cost before building. However, we should also not abandon faith in the pursuit of prudence because faith is confidence in what is yet to come. It is trusting in the one who has made the promise. To reference my cricketing example earlier, you can bat very prudently avoiding any risks and building your runs slowly. And you may very well be successful. But you also might just get a jaffer that takes out off stump or catches the outside edge. And all the prudent batting in the world will, won't help you in any way. I'm not saying be reckless in constructing your innings of life. But be sure to dream big enough dreams that they actually require the exercising of your faith. If your dreams don't require you to trust in God for their fulfillment, then the dreams are too small. Every great dream, every big innings starts with the first ball. Remember what I said about getting off the mark. Let your big dreams begin by establishing solid foundations. Zechariah 4, a well-known scripture says, 
Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. The principle of sowing and reaping exists throughout Scripture. And Scripture says, do not be deceived, God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. As we head into the year ahead, let's sow today what we want to see tomorrow. So my main to-do for, for us today is to establish good, high-yield habits, daily rituals that will make life more meaningful based on what is important. Let us define God's priority for our lives so that we can live out God's destiny for our lives. Set your priorities. Know what you're saying yes to and then learn to politely say no to good things because you've said yes to God's things. Let us not try another year in our own strength. Let 2022 be rooted and established in Christ and by the power of His Spirit in you, take each day as an opportunity to establish heaven in your lives. I know that I certainly don't want another year to pass by where it feels like the days just flow into one another, then the weeks, then the months, and then the years. I don't want to be asking the question, where did the time go? I don't want to be busy being productive that I don't actually make any progress. An efficient runner on the treadmill who works very hard but doesn't go anywhere. It's time for us to take ownership for our lives, to, to live as though Jesus really is our Lord and Savior. Not just rescuing us for heaven one day, but bringing heaven to us today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let us live lives that experience the rest of Jesus, the unforced rhythms of grace he invites us to. Let's believe he is our portion and that in Jesus we have enough. We do not need to worry about tomorrow. When we look at the, at the year that lies ahead, may we live each day as the day that the Lord has made, the day which the Lord says is good, for which he has given us fresh mercies, fresh manna, bread from heaven. May we allow Jesus to redefine our history, to reestablish our destiny, and to redirect our todays so that we may say, today is the day of destiny. If you're able to, will you please stand with me as we close in prayer? Thank you, Vanna. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you that your mercies are new each day and that we can be glad and rejoice in today, for today is the day that you have made. Jesus, thank you for redefining our past, giving us new names and calling us children of God, that through you we may have an unbelievable inheritance. Jesus, thank you for teaching us to live each day in the fullness of your love and perfect rest, finding the miracle in the mundane. And Jesus, thank you for giving us big dreams in our heart and a boldness of faith in you to see those dreams come to pass. So we commit this year ahead and each day of it to you, that we may do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father in your name. And it is in your perfect and precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen.